0: Clear Channel's Radio. Welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show, Better Than Before, an hour of beauty, health, fitness, and lifestyle advice from renowned columnist and author Jane Wilkins-Michael and her guest, top experts in their fields. Join Jane's campaign to become better than before. Now, here she is. Jane Wilkins-Michael. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Jane Wilkins-Michael Show on iHeartRadio Talk. I'm Jane. I'm coming to you live from New York City. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Well, we have a very important show today, which I'm sure everyone, myself included, will find very, very helpful in our quest for looking and feeling better than before. Now, we've all heard the expression, less is more. And while beauty-wise that might be true for wearing, say, too much makeup, it does not hold true for sleep. In fact, none of us gets enough. And it has been proven that getting quality sleep each night improves your health, your energy, it strengthens your immune system, it improves your mood and memory, and boosts your productivity. It can even lower your stress hormones to enable your body to better balance nutritional habits and exercise. I mean, how many things in life can claim to perform all this magic? On the other hand, chronic poor sleep is linked to poor health, mood disorders, depression, exhaustion, and low productivity. Now, we all know that if we have a good night's sleep, the world seems a lot brighter the next day. And if we don't, well, need I say more. Before I I introduce you to the renowned doctor, who is our guest. I want to say a quick hello to my producer, Lori Houston, who obviously gets enough sleep because she is very, very productive. She is always in a good mood and rarely stressed, unlike myself, who obviously needs more sleep. <laughs> Hi, Lori. <laughs> Hi, Jane. Did you get a good night's sleep last night? I did, Preparation. Well, <laughs> see, I told you. I was right. Well, as you know, Lori, sleep has an impact on every part of our lives, and I believe that knowledge is power. So, if we are more aware of sleep disorders and how to improve our sleep health in general, we can help solve our own problems, and maybe even those of the world. And here to help us accomplish all of this is Dr. Raj Dasgupta, and let me tell you a little bit about Dr. Raj before we bring him on. He's an assistant clinical professor at the University of Southern California Geck School of Medicine in the Division of Pulmonary Critical Care Care and sleep medicine. He is a quadruple board-certified physician who you may have seen sharing his invaluable advice on shows such as The Doctor, CNBC, and CBS News. Currently, he's working with Jazz Pharmaceuticals to raise awareness of the sleep disorder narcolepsy and discuss the importance of an accurate diagnosis. Welcome to the show, Dr. Raj. Thank you so much for being with us.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Jane. I really appreciate it. It's a really pleasure to be here.
0: Oh, it is our pleasure to, to speak with you. Now, doctor, before we talk about narcolepsy, which uh, surprisingly to me at least is, is quite uh, common, not to mention misdiagnosed uh, much of the time, let's talk about sleep in general. What yeah. happens to our brains and, and bodies when we sleep, making it so important that we get enough of it?
1: Uh, that's a great question, Jane. So, you know, I always say this, is that in general, society tries to spend so much time and effort in doing things during the day. We hopefully exercise. We like to watch our diet. But people tend to forget there's this whole seven to eight hours at night. And things that happen at night really affect what's going on during the day. And sleep is essential just like eating and drinking so the key thing is is that at nighttime you want to get to some of the most essential parts of sleep so to go back to a little basic science sleep is divided into two broad stages non REM and REM and you know there are some deeper parts of sleep that we call n3 some people call it Delta sleep and of course REM and very important things happen there we consolidate memories we rejuvenate our body we give our body the state to actually heal itself so when we we talk about many sleep disorders out there that actually prevent you from getting to the deeper stages of sleep. In, sleep because you're having these multiple arousals. This definitely will affect things during the day. And Jane, during your introduction about sleep, you touched on so many of them. Whether it's to be memory, whether it's going to be your emotions, so whether it's to be just health in general. So sleep is essential that is the bottom line point point. and let me just carry on and say one more thing it's a little sure. sad that when we talk about society that there's something called total sleep time and you know according to the American Academy of Sleep Medicine we want to get around seven to eight hours of sleep but throughout the decades whether we're starting with our friends the baby boomers through Generation X and now to the Millennials total sleep time has been decreasing it's not seven to eight hours now Studies have shown it's around six to seven hours. So I'll tell you one thing, Jane, when we have this conversation around 50 years from now, who knows what total sleep time is going to be? And that's why when we talk about sleep deprivation, that's a huge thing when we talk about society.
0: Yeah, now you answered all my questions in like two seconds. (laughs) So now we have to backtrack a little. (laughs) Now now we have to backtrack a little bit. We we have to backtrack a little here, Dr. Raj. Um, So, um, what uh, are some of the common complaints and issues that you hear from your patients? Uh, sleep wise yeah. and and being a bit of a so, hypochondriac i'm going to write it all down just so i know what to talk
1: about <laughs> now i will say this i think that i'm I'm so excited being a sleep doctor for a lot of reasons i would say number one is to give reassurance because i could tell you right now in this day and age with technology with everyone coming to me wearing a sleep tracking device that i'm sure your producers and directors have too they always are showing me these numbers. Oh my God, my device says I had 67% sleep last night. What does that mean? I've been waking up once or twice per night. Oh no. So the key thing I do as a sleep physician is let them know what is just normal sleep. And whether we're talking about the most common sleep disorder, which is going to be insomnia, or talking about people waking up once or twice a night, which is normal, I love to provide reassurance. I also like addressing common things with my patients because everyone has had an episode of jet lag, one of the most common sleep things. And where is everyone's first reference to get answers to? It's going to be the Internet. So I feel really happy to address really common things. In fact, you know, I just did uh, an episode on the doctors about sleep paralysis. Paralysis, and oh, I'm sure goodness. all your listeners right now is raising their hand saying, that's me. That's or me,
0: that's me. <laughs> that's me. <laughs>
1: sleep paralysis is something where there's a disconnect between your brain and your body. So can you imagine this? In, in The norm is going to be during that REM sleep I mentioned, your body should be paralyzed because you don't want to reenact your dreams. You can imagine what happens. <laughs> but in some individuals who have Uh, recurrent arousers or underlying sleep disorders, not to mention why I'm here, narcolepsy, that when you wake up is that even though you're awake, your body's stuck in that REM sleep, so you're not moving, and it can be scary. So many people have had isolated episodes of sleep paralysis. If it's recurrent, you want to look for underlying disorders.
0: Oh, wow, yeah. No, I'm writing down sleep paralysis. Let's say I've added this to my list of... (laughs) Of imaginary, <laughs> of imaginary ailments, I should ask, I should say. Um, but here's the question. How do you determine yeah. what's, what's right for you? Cause some people can have five hours of sleep and they feel fine. Some people yeah. need eight, you know, how do you know yeah. what, what's, what's right for your particular uh, uh, body? Yeah. So let me say some broad statements
1: first. Number one, sleep is individualized. And, you know, I always laugh because people think sleep is simple it's not that simple. <laughs> there are so many things we could talk about. We could talk about what is the right room temperature, the room lighting, how cool should the room be. So there are many things that factor in. But the most important thing that makes me want to evaluate patients, and especially treat patients, is how are they functioning during the day? And of course, if they say, I'm excessively tired, I'm fatigued, I'm having problems at work, problems in school, problems in my personal life, these are going to be things that make me want to dig deeper, get the right diagnosis and treat them accordingly.
0: Yeah. And I think probably that a lot of things are due to lack of sleep that you think maybe Mm -hmm. it's something else and it just, you know, you need to sleep more. Maybe that's, that's, uh, I I think I do. (laughs) Lori can attest to
1: that. Me one. Say, let me say two more things because you know it's so funny. Once you get me going on sleep, I mean, I I won't even go back to talk about narcolepsy because you get me all excited about just talking about the general topic. But let me just say this: is that you mentioned hormones. And let me just say that when you have many types of sleep disorders, that when you have those recurrent arousals, there are hormones. Let me name the big one, cortisol. And when you get higher levels of cortisol, that raises up your blood pressure. And high blood pressure is the most common risk factor for heart disease. When you have high levels of cortisol, that increases your blood sugar. It's called glucose. And when you have high blood glucose, it's called diabetes, which is the deadliest risk factor for heart disease. So you can see in some basic science I just mentioned why getting that good sleep is important. So whether it's going to be sleep deprivation or sleep apnea, it really does affect it. But let me just say this before I go off to another tangent is that I mentioned you asked me what are going to be some of the reasons why I would want to evaluate people, what are the symptoms? And the big thing is going to be if I have excessive daytime sleepiness. And that's a very important question. And there is a broad difference between feeling tired during the day and feeling sleepy. So when I think about excessive sleepiness, something on my differential diagnosis is something called narcolepsy. And why I'm even here today is because of the fact that 200,000 people in the United States have narcolepsy. And here's the sad part that blows me away. There's a 10-year delay in making the correct diagnosis about narcolepsy. So I really feel that narcolepsy in general needs an advocate, and I really like to bring it to the forefront to let people know that we need to shorten that 10-year delay and make the correct diagnosis and try to help people feel better who have this diagnosis or have failed to be diagnosed yet.
0: You know, doctor, we are going to concentrate on narcolepsy uh, at, at, at a greater length, but just if I might, just to back up a little <laughs> bit to, to, uh, to, to, because uh, I don't want to have like an attack right in the middle. I want to get everything in <laughs> just in case I have narcolepsy. <laughs> tell me, tell me, tell me, what do you want to ask? Just in case. Now, the, and this is, yeah, sorry, sorry to bring myself into it, but now that you're here, doctor, um, <laughs> does, does not sleeping straight through the night matter in other words and I'm hesitate to admit this cuz perhaps it might age me but there are times like at 9 pm you know I fall asleep in front yeah. of the TV and, sure. and of, of course, I miss the endings of all the shows that I've been looking so, so forward to watching. And <laughs> usually, it's, usually it's the cliffhanger episode. Um, of course. So does a nap count in your overall sleep calculation? For example, if I sleep from 1130 to 630, have I actually slept for eight hours adding in that hour nap? Or do you start again once you actually fall asleep for real? Does that all sense?
1: right, so I'm going to answer this question. This can be a good one. So number one, you're talking about total sleep time. And right. you know what is that our sleep cycle, our sleep architecture changes as all of us get older. And in fact, you know, when we're young, there's something called uh, slow wave sleep, N3 sleep. And that's a very important stage of sleep that we secrete a hormone called growth hormone. And we have most of that N3 sleep when we're young and we lose it as we get older which is why our parents always told us to get what? Good sleep. So as we get older, what happens is it becomes more difficult to initiate sleep. So what we call our sleep latency gets prolonged. As we get older, unfortunately, we have more uh, awakenings during the night than when we were younger, and -hmm. we get less REM sleep. So even though we still require the same total amount of sleep, we have a deep, uh, different sleep architecture. And let me just say this, as we all get older, next thing you know, we're on medications. Next thing you know, unfortunately, we'll have things like heart failure. We'll have things like COPD, which is in my smoking patients. So it's very easy, unfortunately, to have insomnia and poor sleep as we get older. Back to the napping question, don't get me wrong. I'm a proponent of napping in people who need it. So. If you are someone who is going to be sleep-deprived, a nap, and, of course, the question is, how long should a nap be? And the answer is around 20 to 30 minutes tops. You know why? Because you don't want to get into the deeper stages of sleep because how many times have all of us waken up from a nap
0: mm-hmm. and we were
1: more tired than a did before we nap have to begin with? Right. So to answer your question, who shouldn't nap, if someone says the magic word, insomnia, you definitely don't need to nap because that's going to be poor sleep hygiene. And speaking of shows, and I agree, I mean we could go on another tangent here, is that it is technology, it is the iPhone, it is Netflix that is preventing us from going to bed and having poor sleep hygiene in certain individuals. And it was very interesting that I just did an interview about the CEO of Netflix, and he made a very powerful statement. He said the number one competitor of uh, Netflix
0: is sleep. Yeah, So you could
1: imagine.
0: I thought you were going to say HBO, but I think
1: it's sleep. (laughs) (laughs) That that is how powerful a statement it was. He's not even comparing himself to Amazon or HBO. He's talking about an essential power.
0: (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, just to quick mention, when you say growth hormone, I'm only five, two and a half. So maybe I didn't get enough sleep when I was younger either. I don't know. We can't, re- we can't go back. But you also nah. mentioned, and, and I promise you, we will get to narcolepsy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I promise. But, you know, waking up in the middle of the night, I just want to go go through that a little bit more. Um, it's really sure. dis- it's disconcerting because, as you know, everything that bothers you during the day gets magnified at those wee hours in the morning when it's quiet. And your brain and all those little monsters inside of it can go into overtime. But as yep. you say, um, it's kind of normal that you do wake up in the middle of, of the course. night. So how, yep. I mean, what... How do you not wake up? I wish I didn't, basically. I wish I could just sleep. But I. And, I you know,
1: and, a, and the answer of why it always goes back to basic science, which is we have what's called a sleep cycle. We start off in the lighter stages of sleep. We go to the deeper stages, like RAM, Then we go back to the lighter stages. So we go through these cycles multiple times throughout the night. And when we cycle back to the lighter stages, your body is very prone to wake up. So that is 100% normal. So I get really, I get worried when my patients, you know, are buying these tracking devices and now taking medications, prescription medications, over-the-counter medications, because they don't know what the norm is going to be. But the answer to your question is always going to be this. There's going to be the foundation of sleep. The foundation is always what we call, in broad strokes, good sleep hygiene. And there are many things that you could do that you don't realize you're doing that could put you in the right track and I will always say this for those who do wake up at nighttime. one of my favorite things to say is stimulus control and what does that mean in, in uh, layman's terms the bed is only meant for one thing sleeping and if you mm-hmm. can't fall asleep within the first 15 to 20 minutes leave the bed do things that are non-stimulating in dim light but you gotta watch when you say that because nowadays I'm talking to Millennials and if I tell mm-hmm. a millennial hey go read a book Do you think they're going to go to the library, get a copy of Moby Dick and read a (laughs) book?
0: (laughs) The answer is no. (laughs) They're
1: going to whip out their Kindle and their iPhone. And now it circles down to technology again. Mm -hmm. So this is a big thing that you're bringing up today. You know what I mean? Is that technology, sleep, sleep deprivation, it's there. We We need to address it.
0: Right, and and the other thing is, um, I'm very noise sensitive, you know. And of course, there's nothing like crawling into bed uh, with your with your spouse or your partner after a long and exhausting day, and then um, then it begins, you know, the snoring like a warthog, the tossing, the turning, (laughs) (laughs) the constant in and out of bed, and then you wake up the next morning uh, drained. And you know, my husband can sleep through a dunking booth, I swear, but I, on the other hand, wake up if a if a bird tweets outside. But of course, in New York City, it's more of a garbage truck, you know, grinding outside. Right,
1: your right, right. So,
0: uh, <laughs> you know, so it's not only you getting better sleep, it's your, you know, it's your, your partner, your spouse. So um, oh, I
1: see 100%. Yeah. And you touch base on two main things. So if someone tells me I am getting seven, eight hours of sleep and I'm still fatigued and tired during the day, you've got to look for things like sleep apnea. Maybe you've got to look for narcolepsy in these patients. So that worries me when you are getting enough amount of sleep and you're still going to be tired. And, you know, before – now, this is my fault. I'm taking it to a, to a side conversation. I did a little research on you, and I noticed you said something about counting sheep coffee. You, do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. That is hilarious. So anyways, I had an interaction with him when I was doing the doctor's TV show, and uh, this goes into the when we talk about insomnia and how there are many people out there now that are looking into uh, non-prescription medications, and valerian root is something that people have taken. People don't realize its popularity because when you say over-the-counter, you think only about melatonin and a few others. But it was very interesting that you brought that up. So I just wanted to let you know that... uh, you do know your sleep over there.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I tell you this, but I don't drink any sort of coffee, even with Valerian. Between us, not to be repeated, everyone, you know, turn off your radio for a minute. But um, yes, <laughs> I, don't, I don't drink coffee because even a sip of that, and some people can. Some people can drink coffee yeah. up to midnight and they yeah. can sleep. You know, I, it's well, everybody's yeah. is different. All right, so let's get to narcolepsy. You, you did mention Sure, let's
1: do narcolepsy. it. Let's do it.
0: Now, uh, for fear that I, I have them, let's say the symptoms, please.
1: Okay. Oh, you want to rattle off the symptoms? This is going to be the easiest one. You
0: you will will rattle them off and I'll check them off. (laughs) Okay.
1: (laughs) All right. So when you think of narcolepsy, I want you, Shane, to think of the big five. So the first symptom I want you to think about is going to be excessive daytime sleepiness. And, of course, this is not specific for only narcolepsy. Many disorders can have excessive daytime sleepiness like sleep apnea. But this is the most debilitating for my patients. This is why they have problems at work, problems at school. This is why they come see me and want to get treatment. So that's going to be the most common. Number two, this is one of those misunderstandings. People always think that people with narcolepsy sleep all the time which is not true. At nighttime, they have disturbed sleep. They will have multiple awakenings during the night. And because of that, many people with narcolepsy get misdiagnosed for insomnia. So let me just take those first two symptoms, is that, that this is what narcolepsy is all about, a dysregulation of your sleep and wake cycles. Inappropriate awakenings when you should be sleeping, inappropriate sleep attacks when you should be awake. So you can imagine how frustrated my patients are. So let's talk about three, four, and five. Number three, we actually kind of talked about it briefly, which was sleep paralysis. And like I said, many of us have had isolated episodes. If it's recurrent, it can be associated with narcolepsy because when you have narcolepsy, to go a little basic science, that sleep cycle, which is dysregulated, you'll have inappropriate REM sleep. And in REM sleep, that's where you really get those episodes where, oh, my mind is awake, but my body's stuck in REM where it should be paralyzed. Number four, it, we mentioned briefly about these visual scary hallucinations. So during mm. these episodes of sleep paralysis, you actually get visual hallucinations that are pretty scary, like an intruder in the room, maybe a, a creature in the room. So it's very, very scary. And the last one I'm going to spend the most time with, this is something called catapultures cataplexy. So this leads to what is cataplexy? So cataplexy is a loss of muscle control and tone that's induced by intense emotions like laughter and being scared. And unfortunately, you know, Hollywood, when they try to, they had, I can't even tell you how many Movies and TV shows about representing narcolepsy, they kind of make a poor stereotype of what cataplexy is, where they would have someone who's eating their cereal in the morning, and all of a sudden, after they get... Startled is that their head flops in the bowl of Froot Loops, milk is flying all over the place, and they call it, oh, that's cataplexy. And that's not cataplexy. Cataplexy can be very, very subtle. It could be a weakness of the arm or leg. Your vision could be blurred. Your speech could be slurred. So the key thing is you don't have to have all five symptoms at the same time. They could appear at different times in life, but this is why you need a sleep physician to make the right diagnosis because it is a mimicker of disease, sleep apnea, insomnia. And in fact, it has, this is the main reason why it takes 10 years in making the right diagnosis. My patients had a diagnosis with depression instead, anxiety instead. If you get these cataplexy episodes, some of my patients were told they had epilepsy. And oh, in my wow. young patients, they were told they had ADD. So because it's a great mimicker, you got to go see a sleep doc to make the right diagnosis.
0: Now, what's the difference between that and sleep apnea?
1: Amazing question.
0: So sleep
1: apnea is more of a breathing disorder. So when we talk about sleep apnea, what is the stereotype out there? You always imagine the overweight individual driving a truck, eating cool ranch doritos, and then again an accident. And that's not sleep apnea because the obstruction is not in the gut. Where is the obstruction? in the back of the throat, mm-hmm. where your tonsils are, your tongue. And sleep apnea is strongly associated with snoring. Multiple arousals during the night can make it excessively sleepy during the day. And of course, it has a lot of cardiovascular risk factors also. So that's also a disease you should not take lightly.
0: Right. Well, sometimes you wake up. I've done this. You know, you're, you're, you fall asleep and you wake up and, and you can't breathe. I mean, it's, you feel like your throat is yeah. closed. So I guess that's sleep apnea more than narcolepsy, right? Yeah.
1: Exactly. And you know, that's where we go back to symptom number one, excessive daytime sleepiness. They may Mm -hmm. share that in common. You know, symptom number two, those multiple awakenings during the night kind of share that with insomnia. So that's why, like I said, it's so frustrating that, you know, patients have to wait. Quite a bit amount of time to make that right diagnosis, which kind of leads me to this. That so, let's say someone's listening today and said, you know, I may have some of those five symptoms or all five symptoms. Where can I get more info? And so I teamed up with Jazz Pharmaceuticals, and we actually came up with this website called MoreThanTired.com. And I, I told them I love the name of it because that's what narcolepsy is. It's not just being tired, it's being more than tired. So we actually put two types of questionnaires, one for excessive daytime sleepiness, and two, some straight narcolepsy questions. And then let's say you checked off a lot of the boxes and you are at risk. Well, there's a physician finder on the website because not all physicians are as aware of narcolepsy and of course to treat it. So I would say there are great things on this website. All your listeners should go check it
0: out. Oh, that's wonderful. You know, Doctor, you are the best guest. You answer questions. I don't even have to ask them. <laughs> <You just laughs> I do love the chat. I do. Love to chat. You're wonderful. <laughs> I got just
1: um uh, I can just take a little lap, you know, you
0: can answer you answer the questions that I was just going to ask you. You are also a mind reader. Now Doctor, <laughs> before uh-huh. we say goodbye, um, okay. leave us with some general lifestyle advice for getting better sleep.
1: Sure, no problem. So I would say this, it all starts off with that generic term we call sleep hygiene. What are some of my favorite ones? Number one, I love exercise, I need to go to the gym more. And there's this thing, there's a misconception about exercise that everyone should do it. But for sleep, to make sure you get good sleep, try to do it a little bit earlier in the day. I know it's not easy for everyone. I know we're all hardworking. We come back late. Many of us have families. But the reason why you want to exercise earlier in the day is because your core body temperature. You don't want to get it too hot before you go to bed because Dr. Raj always says, when you lay down, your body cools down. When you get up, it warms up. So exercise to do it earlier in the day. Number two eating and drinking don't do it too late at night you don't want to have the heartburn you don't want trips to the bathroom and I can't tell you Jane how many people need that glass of alcohol before going to bed mm-hmm. and let me just say this alcohol will knock you out that's its job but people forget you get multiple awakenings the second half of sleep so no alcohol before going to bed and the last two just to make it simple I'm going to say remember stimulus control that is only meant for sleeping don't stare at the alarm clock You need an alarm, but don't stare at the clock. And the last thing is it's called sleep restriction. Set bedtime, set wake time, even on holidays, even on the weekends. If all your listeners could do these things, they're on their road to good sleep.
0: Well, thank you. Those are wonderful, wonderful tips. I will also pass them along to my husband. Um, and, the, and he will come see you as a patient. I don't want to say he snores like a warthog. That's not nice, but I might have well, to. Well, I didn't hear like, that. I didn't hear um, that. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody heard that. Nobody heard that. But uh, yeah, So, um, but you are wonderful. You are a terrific guest, and, and we have very much enjoyed having you on the show. And if uh, the listeners want to find you personally, um, do you have a website as well? Yeah. Or do you-
1: yeah. No. I mean, if they, everyone to hang out with me, there's two ways to do it. Number one, I'm here at USC, and I love seeing patients just to say hello and chat with them. And the other one is I have my own website, drrajd.com. I have my smiling face there, and I just put up fun articles and tips here and there, so they can go check it out.
0: That's wonderful. Well, thank you again for being with us. That is our show, everyone. Thank you, Dr. Raj. Thank you, Lori, as always. And thank you all for listening. This is Jane Wilkins, Michael. I will see you next week. Until then, be wise, be well. Be better than before and get a good night's sleep. Have a question for Jane? Drop us a line via instant feedback at bmajor.org. The Jane Wilkins Michael Show is brought to you by Express Scripts and is produced by Major Radio for Clear Channel's iHeartRadio and bmajor.org.